Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson and his big thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to clear off all the things that, hey, you're being recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized what I was seeing when I, when I said the greeting and I was like, oh, wow, that's a big thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes Uh, you don't have a good picture, right? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yes, the puns. Yeah, let's start on that note, huh? Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, the puns. Well, today we are discussing your sermon from this past Sunday, which was resting in God's power from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 10 through 29. Though you referenced a ton of different verses in this sermon. That was the one you referenced more than once. So that's the one I took <laughs> as right. the basis. <laughs> And it really does capture the heart of the whole idea. It was really out of that, that all of the other uh, threads were formed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so resting in God's power, the um, kind of the question we were, you were answering on Sunday was, do you feel weary in the Christian life? Yeah, exactly. And the, making the distinction last time we talked about just in general, in life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, this specifically asking the question, okay, I'm seeking to be faithful to follow God. And, and that feels hard. That, that doesn't feel restful. That feels weary. Right. You read that whole list of expectations and requirements and, and demands from scripture. Yeah. I started to take notes and I was like, yeah, I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. But it was a long list. And I was like, oh my goodness, when I think about all of that, yes, it is so demanding. Um, it, when we are trying to do it in our own power, when we are trying to meet those expectations by the gumption within us. Yeah, that's the heart of the message. Um, that's exactly right. It is so hard when we are trying to muster it up from within us, which which seems like it makes so much sense. Well, isn't that what the Christian life is about? I'm being asked to do this. So isn't that the logical conclusion? I need to muster it up from me. So all of this is kind of getting at a nuance of the Christian life that I think we can miss. That is so crucial. It is. It is so crucial because it's so, there's such a huge difference between I have to do this in my own power and my own strength. And I can't live up to these expectations on my own. And so I need God's power within me. Yes. It is interesting because there's a version of the Christian life, um, which sometimes, you know, I absolutely love those who are kind of, you know, part of the gospel coalition or whatever, just keep coming back to the gospel, which is absolutely right. But there are some times when there are some versions of the Christian life that are presented by evangelicals that are, they kind of come across like this. Hey, folks, just deal with it. You can never live the Christian life. It's impossible. Mm. You're a sinner. You're always going to fail, which, which are true things. But Jesus isn't calling us into a life we can't live. 
Mm. He's calling to us into a life that is impossible for us to live on our own, but a life that by his spirit and by his power at work in us and his transformation at work in us, we can live a life that we're, we resemble the follower that we've, or the, the leader that we follow. And yeah, man, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I still struggle with like, how does this work? Like on a daily basis. And um, I, I think probably the best illustration I saw of this, my pastor in, in uh, high school he was talking about this concept and uh, of, you know, we don't live the Christian life in our own power. We live the Christian life in the power of the Holy spirit. And we're like, what does that mean? And he said, it's like a, a glove. We are the glove and the Holy spirit is the hand in the glove. And on its own, the glove can't do anything, but with the hand in the glove, then the Holy spirit can work through us doing things in this world. And I, so that has stuck with me for all these years. I won't say how many, (laughs) a few, few. (laughs) but, um, but still it's, I still struggle with, um, am I doing this on my own? Yeah. Am I? You know, it's interesting when you when you ask the question, and this is so important, this can just sound like a concept that sounds theoretical and abstract, and then we revert back to just doing it out of our own steam, because we don't know what does this mean practically. I was mm. thinking, uh, we have a refrigerator that has one of those water dispensers, and the, the water that comes through our refrigerator um, has, I think it's calcium in it. So it gets calcified. It gets the, the line over time gets calcified. It starts um, getting coated with mm. this stuff. And every once in a while we have to get a pipe cleaner with vinegar and clean it or flush, flush it with vinegar from the other end or whatever, you know, these different ways of cleaning it out. And, and I was thinking the spiritual disciplines that are, that are the equivalent of that are, are the practical, how do I keep cleaning out the vessel that is me mm. so that God by his spirit has more and more access to me and can more and more faithfully live his life through me. So it's the, my practical work is the cleaning out of the gunk. So it's really my central spiritual discipline is opening my life to God and mm. everything that's connected to that. Which mm-hmm. means confessing sin and addressing it when that's what's accruing, or addressing spiritual indifference when that's what I'm facing, or addressing busyness in my life when that's what's constricting the flow of the spirit, or what, whatever it might be. But that my main job is is all of the practices that keep me open to God. Hmm. Right. So my quiet time is about him and my encountering him and not just the practices. I mean, it's that, I mean, I, I will say 50 times a day, Lord, please help me. Please give me your wisdom here. Please, Lord, mm-hmm. I, I rest in you. Lord, I, I need your help. Lord, lead us here. You know, that it's that constant, my heart is open to you. My life is open to you. Lord, I don't have what I need to respond to this need or this person or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
we'll right. kind of jump. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and for each one of us, it's different kinds of gunk, right? Like, um, you know, yes. I just I just tend to I tend to be a hoarder and not a hoarder of things, but a hoarder of time and a hoarder of energy. And, and that is, I mean, when you look at Jesus's life, he did not hoard his time or his energy. He was so generous. Um, he, you know, he knew when he needed to stop and he knew when God was calling him to keep going. And, um, and so I think it's, it also involves some self-reflection, right. Mm -hmm. As allow it, figuring out, allowing the Holy spirit access to me and to help me understand my weaknesses and where I tend, you know, like where I tend to step up and say, oh, well, this is easy for me. So I'm just going to do it instead of saying, oh, wait, no, even though it's easy for me, it's, I still need to ask the Holy Spirit for help in getting it done. Yeah, I love, I love that insight. I think that's great. And I think you're exactly right. When we know the unique bent that God gave us um, for good, his design in us, and then the unique bent that we apply to that, that is about self and sin and all of that, when the more we can understand those contours within ourselves, the more we can figure out what my unique way of saying, God, my life is open to you looks like. So for you, and I love that, and I, I can relate to that. Uh, Lord, I don't feel like I have the energy for this, but I trust you. to. I'm open. My life is open. I trust you to lead me into something I don't feel like I'm up for. Mm -hmm. Or somebody who's, whose heart is constantly attentive to the needs of people around them. Lord, I, I can think of 29 things I should be doing right now. But I stop before you and I just open myself to you and say, Lord, who are those few people that you would have me care for? Mm -hmm. Let others care for others. It's, um, and, and so on. This all the unique different designs. Lord, my, my feelings are controlling my perspective on everything. Lord, how do I let mm -hmm. you have a word that is louder than my feelings? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Or I'm, or I'm my fears. My fears yes. are affecting everything and my outlook and what I'm seeing. And how do I let you have a word and give me perspective on my fears? Yeah. The, so the, you know, the, where we ended the sermon was with a, a quote from David Benner from his wonderful little book, Surrender to Love, which I would really commend to everyone. It's, a, it's an amazing little and very inviting little book. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's on this whole theme of what, how in the world do I surrender my life to God? Can I, can I trust him with that? And, and he picks up on the importance of this posture to, to open your life to God is really to surrender your life to God in, in uh, circumstance specific ways. Mm. Um, Lord, by, I, I open myself to how you want me to respond to this person. That's an act of surrender as I open mm. myself to God in that way. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I was thinking a couple of things are running through my mind. I'm going to start with a, a little story. I remember um, talking with a gal years ago. I don't even remember her name, but she was saying, 
um, you know, she was a mom of blended family and uh, she was working full time and, you know, volunteering at her church. And she had this afternoon free and she just, she said, God, what, what do you want me to do with this time? And, um, and, and she was like, well, I'm really tired. I think I'm just going to lay down and pray. And she's just like, God, what do you want me to do with this time? What do you want me to do with this time? And she started going through her list of, of things she could be doing. And God was just like, sleep. That's what you need is sleep. And, and so she just felt this ability to surrender and just nap that afternoon and to surrender everything else that was happening. And I just thought that was so beautiful of like, even asking God, what can I, what should I do with this afternoon? Not just assuming like, oh, I should take a nap. I'm really tired. But, um, but asking God for that, um, for direction in that afternoon. And then the, and then of course now the other well, I'll let you think about it just by interacting with your first one. I'll let you try yeah. to remember what you're going to say. That what you just shared is a perfect getting ready for next Sunday's message story because that that's all about how God has given parameters within which He calls us to live our lives. They're, they're mm. the boundary lines within of reasonableness of sleep every night and rest every week and that kind of thing. And and we in our arrogance want to defy that. And I love the idea of being able to receive sleep as a gift, even a nap as a mm -hmm. gift that acknowledges my finiteness. It's really, there's a strange way in which sleep is an act of worship because I'm mm. saying you are God and I'm not. I, uh, right. You never sleep or slumber. I do and I need this. And thank you for the gift of this replenishment, Lord. Yes, which reminds me of the... <laughs> second thing I was thinking of, which was going back to the end of the sermon and that when you were reading from um, that book about, it was, it was all about floating versus treading water and the effort that it takes to tread and it's the effortlessness to float. Hmm. And, I, you know, when I think one of the indications to me that I've learned uh, when I am really trusting in myself or my circumstances instead of in God and, and the whole the power of the Holy Spirit is when I feel like a need to act and like, like more than just a need to act because there is a, you know, there are times when we have to act, right? We, yep. the Holy Spirit acts through in us and through us. And that is absolutely correct. But there's, but I think there's, an inner anxiousness or an inner, I don't know what word to put it on, but the, or to say, but it's this, um, uh, not a compel, com compulsion. That's it. Like this inner compulsion of, I have to do something. I have to do this. I'm the only one who can fix it. And when I start thinking those kinds of thoughts, I'm like, back up. <laughs> It's time to surrender. It's time to stop these, this mad thought process that's in your head and, you know, and get in touch with stop and pray right? and talk to God about it. Yeah, I love that. And that gets at a really important distinction, which uh, can be challenging to tease out, mm -hmm. but is really, really important. Uh, there are lots, so many kind of paradoxes in this whole thing we're talking about. And this is one of them. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll take the yoke off of your shoulders. Mm. He says, mm -hmm. come to me 
my yoke, I, there is a burden there. I mean, there is a weight. There is a sense of responsibility. I'm, there are things I call you to, which is the metaphor for yoke. I'm your ruler. I'm your, I'm your Lord. There are things I ask of you. Um, but the difference between being tired and being weary is a really important indicator of which of those two ways I'm living my life. Is it all up to me? Is it all on me? I've got to meet this need. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to. Mm-hmm. That, that leads to burdensomeness and weariness where I'm called to do this. I'm called to give myself to this. That leads to the satisfying kind of tiredness that comes from knowing we have served and mm. have served faithfully and have served well. Obviously we never serve perfectly, but Mm-hmm. Um, so we can be rest, deep rest, and tiredness are not mutually exclusive. Hmm. I can be really tired at the end of a long day of ministry and have a sense of having been carried through that whole day and led by God through that whole day. Hmm. And I can do a normal day's work and come home exhausted because I have wrongly thought of it in terms of that which I must do, that is on me to do, to accomplish, to, you know. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it reminds me of what Bill Bright used to say. He's the uh, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew. Um, You know, when we were, I was going through training with Crew and he, he used to say, you know, sharing the gospel. So what we, what we need to do as believers is to share the gospel and the power of the Holy spirit and leave the results to God. Mm. And I feel like that it's not just like it's live the Christian life in the power of the Holy spirit and leave the results to God, no matter what you're doing. Like we, when I feel like I need to own the results, that's when I know I'm not trusting in, I'm not trusting in God because I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads us right into that absolutely wonderful, pivotal, central passage in John 15 of, Mm. of Jesus saying that he is a vine and we are the branches. And there's so many things that you just said that just come straight out of that, that abide in Christ Our where we abide is our abode. It's our home. So that's where we take up residence and, my focus is on this end of the branch where I'm joined to the vine. Jesus says, there's not any fruit you can bear on your own effort, but when you are properly joined to me and linked to me, then I will bear fruit that is lasting fruit. And that is fruit that's pleasing to God. And your, your, your life is meant to be fruitful. But that, again, that paradox of, I want to, I want to be a fruit bearer. So I don't focus on bearing fruit. I focus on my life being open to God. Mm. And I let the, the one who is the fruit bearer do his work in and through me with my cooperation, which takes work. Which takes work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know it is. It's, it is such a, it, it's such an amazing paradox. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it seems like a conflict, like it's, yeah. it doesn't work yeah, that and, way. And it does. Right. That's right. And it, uh, that's exactly right. And I think as soon as we eliminate one of those two places, my work, God's work, then we start to drift into heresy and we, we start to drift into a deformed version of the Christian life. Mm. And I, I think that's another place where that can happen. And this is sort of what I touched on at the end of this sermon 
um, and sharing that story of uh, being up five times in one hour with Sharon and realizing that each time I was full of cheer, I was full of joy, I was exhausted, I had a hard time waking up, but I was so glad to be able to serve her, I just was struck by the privilege of that. And the point of that is not virtuous David, It, I mean, obviously it's the very opposite of that point, which is none of that is what is natural to me. How cool that not only that God's power is available to us in those moments when we come to the, the end of ourselves, but there's something more that goes on. And this is another thing that sometimes evangelicals can miss, the sanctification process, the being made holy, the being made Christ-like process, where there are parts of me, no, no part perfectly, but there are parts of me where compared to 40 years ago, hopefully compared to four years ago, or hopefully even compared to four months ago, there are parts of me that are incrementally more like Jesus than they were before. And part of my life will be lived out of those things. Yes, it's the spirit equipping me, the spirit guiding me, but that was what bowled me over in that moment is this is me. This is the new nature in me mm. delighting in doing this. Mm -hmm. This isn't me going, ah, I'm so sick of this. It was, mm -hmm. Lord, what a joy. And going, <laughs> where did that come from? That's mm -hmm. the work of God. And, and that also is part of that. And I love that mysterious line in first John three nineteen, where it says, the more that you see that, that in you, the evidence of your laying down your life for other people, your, your responding to the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ, your meeting the needs of others sacrificially to yourself. The more you see those things, the more your heart will be set at peace or mm. at rest. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, I, I'm not having to clamber here. This is so cool. This is just coming out of the newly formed, new natured me. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Whenever mm -hmm. those moments come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't help but think of, um, you know, I, I feel, I feel like being a parent or, and, and maybe in particular a mother, um, it just exposed my selfishness to the degree I had no idea, yeah. you know, like, you know, getting up five times a night with children, was <laughs> pretty regular. Um, I don't think I slept a whole night through for seven years. And it was, you know, at the beginning of that process, it was like, so grumpy, so angry, like I could get angry really fast and just feel like this is the, you know, worst thing in the world. And, um, and, and angry at my husband who didn't wake up with the baby and, you know, and all this. And then, and God, over time, God changed my heart and he changed my outlook and he, um, yeah. And, and I saw that same process. It wasn't, you know, in one night, but over the years, it, it just became, okay, well, this is what I have to do. And God will give me the energy to parent my children tomorrow. Um, no matter how many times they get up in the night and we're just going to go with it. And, um, mm -hmm and just trusting God to give me time for a nap during the day and <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that I think it's really painful when our selfishness is exposed, which yeah. means that when we see the difference, it is a cause for celebration. Glory to God. Yeah, exactly. 
you'll appreciate this. I just was yesterday, I was getting my car worked on and, um, and I was interacting with a guy at the shop that I'd never interacted with before. And, and I was, I was feeling in a hurry and, and he wanted to talk. And so I just, it was one of those ones where it's, and so I just, from the moment is like, Lord, I want to be your vessel here. I want to be available to you and, and really sought to be present, to listen and interact. And, and then we interacted some more at the, at the uh, end of the day. And, um, and he was talking about having helped um, a couple of uh, friends find cars that met their needs. And, and, and I said, I said something like, so after, you know, we, I'd probably spent 45 minutes maybe talking to this guy between the beginning and the end of the day. And, and I and, and I said something like, doesn't it, isn't it uh, incredibly satisfying to use some gift or expertise or ability that you have to be able to serve someone else and to make a difference? And he, this is kind of the first time he stopped talking. He just kind of stopped and looked at me and said, okay, what church are you part of? And, um, and not at all like a judging thing. It was like, I'm on to you now. And he said, cause, cause there's this inflection in your voice. There's this, the, the words you just used. It's like I, these other guys that I know who are Christians, who are talking to me. It's, it is so obvious that you are a Christian because of the way you've listened to me. But then the way you even just said that idea of, of putting other people first and serving them and that being a joy it's like i'm on to you and <laughs> and i just thought that was so fun you know it's a fascinating thing the way you look as a as a mature follower of christ and the way i look will be completely different because god has completely different designs of our personality but there is this way in which all of us will have in common a likeness to christ as we mm. grow in maturity that is a family resemblance. And it's right in this area. This is how you know what love is that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for others. When that is what you see in your life, that will let you set your hearts at rest before God. Mm. Hmm. And that seems like a great place to end <laughs> our conversation today. Thank you, David, for your time today. It's always a joy. And thank you for joining us, whether you've joined us live or on our podcast or on our blog. Um, if you have any questions or comments, just leave them in the comments on Facebook or on our blog. I read every one of those. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Grace on you all.